to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shawflam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Today, we are going to be answering listener questions. I love listener questions. I do too. Yeah, it means we have listeners. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But it also means they trust us to help them answer their problems. They do. Um, If you have a question that you think Daphne or me, for some reason, would be helpful uh, in answering, uh, let us know. We would love to feature your question on the show. Our email is info at justonewarepodcast.com. You can tweet us or Instagram message us, message, message us at, at just one more pod. Um, you can put it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash just one more podcast. Um, any way you like to talk, send us your question. We'd love to talk about it on the show. We've never gotten a bad listener question. They're always fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And always questions that I'm sure a lot of people, a lot, that's why people always say, ask the question, like that's in right. class, because chances are someone else has your someone question. Someone else has that exact same question. Um, speaking of which, I just remember that my mom sent in a listener question that I never What was her listener to question? Because it was a listener question, or it was really like a, <laughs> a mom nag disguised as a listener question. Sorry, uh, mom. Uh-huh. Um, but it was about um, avocado hand, which I had to look up what that is. What is that? And that is people slice their hands because they hold (gasps) the avocado half in their hand and then to get the pit out they like cut into the avocado or even just like to slice up the avocado and they do it with a knife that's too sharp Ah. and they cut their hands Ah. Um, bagel hand is a similar thing but like avocados are even worse because they're squishy so um, I'm, that I'm was really my mom being like, right please don't oh cut yourself God. when you're cutting all these avocados <laughs> you talk about on the show. Um, so listener, that wasn't really a question, mom. But the answer is everyone listen to my mom. Be careful yeah. when you're uh, cutting your avocados. I feel like the next thing is going to be, do you remember the bagel guillotine? Yes. <laughs> An avocado guillotine? I wonder how that would work, but I'm yeah. sure there's a way. Probably. Um, that being said, from a food food safety, food prep standpoint, if you hold the avocado, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I do it. I've never cut myself before. Oh my God. Now that I said that, <laughs> knock on wood, knock on wood. Um, yeah, I guess you could do it by having the, what if you put the avocado on a cutting board and your hand on top of the avocado mm-hmm. and then you slice it horizontally yeah. so that there's no skin to skin contact. Slice, Is that what, like around Slice around it? the equator or I, <laughs> the equator of the I, avocado world. Yes. I, Put it on a um, like to cut it in half. I put it down on a cutting board and then like I cut up and down, but then I like rotate mm. the avocado. Oh, okay. so I'm not cutting it in my hand. But I will admit, when I'm once I have the half, I do hold it in my hand while I like score it. But you wouldn't so, have to. You know what I saw on Food Network that changed things up completely? What? Well, it was actually not on Food Network. It was with Tyler Florence in person at <laughs> Williams Sonoma <laughs> because that's where you go to see Food Network stars doing little <laughs> cooking demos. Amazing. So you know what he did? He still sliced them in half, and he was doing this while he was talking to all of us because he's amazing and dreamy. Um, so he still sliced the avocado in half. How he did it, I don't remember. But honestly, I think this conversation you and I are having right now, we're saving a lot of people's hands right now. <laughs> um, but then he had a cutting board. So he had half, half of the avocado in his hand, the one that didn't have this the pit in it. And he used a big spoon first and scooped it out and then placed that scoop face down. So it was like this is like beautiful dome of avocado on the cutting board. And then he sliced it in half there. Yeah. And I so I've been doing that ever since um, because I was like, I want to do what Typhlo <laughs> is doing. I'll do what any Food Network star is doing. So that could also be potentially like a safety yeah. thing. So this turned into a listener question. It did. <laughs> yeah. Mom, I take it back. It was a very legitimate listener question. Thank you, Jan. <laughs> Thank you, Jan. Uh, now all of us will be more careful when we slice our avocados. And the problem is it's extra bad when you cut into your hand because oh, you have, like, arteries God. and stuff yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Ugh. it's not like getting a, you know, a scrape or something. No. It can it can be not so good. It's bad news bears. It yeah, is. I know. And oh. while we're talking about it, if you're, sli- if you're having that avocado on a bagel, don't slice your <laughs> bagel into your hand either. Bagel guillotine. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> Although those things are annoying. I know. I've never actually used one. I think just, I've seen them at hotel breakfasts, like yeah. the continental breakfast. I always feel like they just smash the bagel. Yeah, yeah. Because you need to kind of go back and forth. Yeah. You need that serrated knife. Yeah. That's what you need. <laughs> but you can cut into a cutting board. That's well, what they're I really they're want for. a bagel with some cream cheese and avocado now. That sounds very good. I know. Yeah. Guys, the episode is ending. We have to go get bagels. Yeah. Maybe with an egg on it, too. Mm, yes. Or not. I mean. <laughs> uh, sorry. We got off on a... <laughs> we're just really hungry right now. We're really hungry. <laughs> um, we're going to eat after this. Uh, well, let's get into our... Um, not sent from my parents listener questions i'm sort of amazed my dad doesn't have a question in this episode i'm surprised dad, you're sleeping on your questions i know are you even listening to yeah. us anymore um, <laughs> if you want to hear uh live coverage of my dad's many questions go back to our 100th episode where he was there in person um but uh our our first question that is not from one of my parents is from carmen um and Carmen uses a brand name for a class in this uh, question, but I'm going to leave it out because I think it refers to a, a larger uh, section of workout things that I think will apply to more people. Um, so Carmen asks, I have a question about a type of workout that you guys haven't talked about yet. Um, and she says the brand name, but it's a spin uh, class or spin machine. Uh, my building recently got one in our gym and I really love it but I would love some guidance on how frequently I should be using the bike and whether it is just a substitute for cardio or can be used as a substitute for leg day so spinning what where does it fit into our workout lives how often should or can we be doing it um how do we make it work for us? Yeah, this is a fantastic question. Good um, job, Carmen. Yeah, Carmen, thank you so much for this amazing question. So, so your building now has some new spin bikes. Um, my building gym also has some new spin bikes. And uh, my building gym is not a gym. It's a terrifying basement where I don't go. Do not put a spin bike there, Joanna. It is not okay, safe. No. <laughs> so, um... So when it comes to spin bikes that are either in a spin studio, so in the world of spin bikes, we have actual spin studios, physical ones that you go to. We have many here in the city. We have spin studios within gyms, and then we also have spin bikes that people can order to their home, that building gyms can order to their building gyms and they just get delivered. And um, people can order these spin bikes to their office buildings. Um, and then sometimes these spin bikes have uh, like on-demand uh, videos where you look at a screen and there's either a live class or a recorded class that you were following along with. Um, so here's what I have to say about spin bikes and these classes, whether, they, whether or not they're at home or at a studio or they're in your gym, whether or not you're spinning with an instructor uh, who is live in front of you, an instructor who's recorded in front of you, or whether you're spinning on your own, um, I think spinning is awesome. I love spinning. I do enjoy taking spin classes. I do have friends who are spin instructors, and I actually do think from a cardiovascular standpoint and from a quad strengthening standpoint, it is a really positive workout. Well, remember the so, quads are, the are basically of the thighs. fronts of our thighs. Um, and I will say that, um, especially I was off of, I was not running for a while because I have had some hip issues. Um, and one of the things that was most frustrating about that was that it was hard for me to get cardio in. Mm -hmm. um, and during that time, we uh, talked about it, and you suggested that I go to a spin class. Mm -hmm. And so for a while, I was spinning. There was a class at my gym, so I was spinning there. So we both have some spin familiarity. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I also think spin is great when there is either some type of hip. This might be debated and a knee issue. Mm. Sometimes it's really great. And the reason is, well, some people might say that spinning puts a little bit of stress on the knee just because you are bending and straightening, bending and straightening, or bending, bending and straightening a little bit. Um, oftentimes with cycling, you don't hit a full extension of mm -hmm. your leg, but your leg just kind of stays activated. So the leg, the knee is moving. So sometimes that aggravates knees for certain people. Um, but for many situations, spinning or cycling, because you are seated on a machine, the law of physics means that the machine is absorbing some energy. So that means you can still get a really great cardiovascular workout without putting as much impact on the ankle, 
knee, and hip joints. Mm-hmm. And when yeah, I you're say not impact, getting that like mm-hmm. pounding that you get when you're exactly. running mm-hmm. or um, jumping up and down. Yeah, yeah. And another thing I do want to offer is that impact is not necessarily a bad thing. Impact is sometimes actually a good thing. Like we have to, we have to know how to absorb impact, and we need to sometimes when it comes to really um, getting stronger, we do have to run and we do have to jump. Um, and then, of course, there are ways to do it so that the impact is a little bit less. But I do think in this case, uh, intensity and impact, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. So when it comes to spinning, so Carmen asks, is this just a substitute for cardio um, being on her spin bike in her apartment build- building gym? So I don't say it's I wouldn't even say it's a substitute for cardio. It, it is cardio. It's cardio. Mm-hmm. It's totally cardio. You are for sure going to get your heart rate up. Wear a heart rate monitor if you want. You can even, like, you can even confirm this. <laughs> like, I'm not just lying. Um, it is cardio. So it's not just a substitute for cardio. It is cardio. It is a form of cardio. I think it's a very good form of cardio. When it comes to doing cardio, I do think that it's important for people to do what feels the best for them and their bodies. When it comes to spinning, I do think that if you are... I'm going to use myself as an example. So I'm more of a runner. Or so that's or that's what I've been doing longer. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. So any time I do a different type of cardio, maybe we'll use spinning and swimming as two examples, I kind of die a little bit <laughs> because it's different muscle groups. Yep. So um, I would say for spinning, it's a little bit more quad dominant. For me personally, I do. And then there are instructors. And, and actually, I will say this too. You still are supposed to be in a place where you still engage your glutes and hamstrings. That being said, I find that spinning still activates my quads in a way that running does not necessarily. So I feel like my quads are on fire and I feel the challenge that way because a body gets used to something it does all the time. So my body is used to doing cardio by using my whole body versus just my legs. So then my legs always burn. And then it's the same thing for swimming. I'm not used to using my arms to get my heart rate up. So I kind of die when I start swimming as well. But it's just the laws of adaptation, the general adaptation syndrome or gas. Whatever stress you apply on your body, you recover from the stress, and that's how you get stronger and fitter and faster and better and and all that jazz. So I would say spinning um, is not a substitute for cardio. It is a form of cardio, a very good form of cardio. Is it the same as running, and is it the same as swimming? Um, the little tidbit of information I'm going to offer is that you are still on a machine that's absorbing some energy and some impact. So as a result, although you might be feeling like, you know, you're in a class with 45 people and you're giving it your all and you're getting like this crazy, insane workout in and it's awesome and the energy levels are really high, just from a purely physiological standpoint, purely physiological standpoint, um, People are going to probably get mad when I say this. Technically, okay, I, I know I'm going to offend a lot of people. Spinning, yes, is technically a little bit easier than, say, running outdoors and um, swimming. Completely based off of the fact that the machine is absorbing some energy, you know? So then people are going to say, well, what about the Tour de France? And they're like pedaling up a you know mountain for 18 days i don't know if it's 18 days um it's a long time is it a long time they used yeah. to watch it in the french i didn't take french in high school but the french class used to watch it and i felt like for like three quarters of the school year they were just watching the tour de france yeah. i'm sure that's not true yeah. but it felt like that <laughs> the tour de france lasts for nine months <laughs> yeah. welcome to bicycle podcast right. with joanna and let's tell you about the bike tour- races of the world that we they last for 360 days the bicyclists take five days off to rest yes and then they do it all over again yes so clearly joanna and i know so much a lot about, about biking a lot about biking but, um, so, you know, people will say, well, with the Tour de France or with people who are cyclists, you know, they might disagree in the sense that, uh, from a, like a emotional standpoint, it's like, oh, this is a tough workout. Like they're biking up hills and mountains and yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. I, no, I get it. Like it's a, but like it's imagine a, if you had to run that. Yeah. I think that's, that there's the, there's offering the, the perspective. So I mean this purely in a completely technical, technical way. Now, the next half of this question is, is spinning a substitute for leg day? And that's language we don't, we haven't really used on the show, but I think what uh, Carmen is asking is, like, um, is it a substitute for strength training your legs? Mm -hmm. Which is exactly 
Yeah, that's what I took the question to be as well. And I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I know, yeah. And this is a question I get a lot. So a lot of times, people who are very um, adamant about running, they think that that is their leg workout. Yeah. So I mean, it's going, working my legs. Exactly, the legs are my being legs are working. Recruited. It's sending blood flow to the legs. You'll probably, especially spinning, you'll feel your quads kind of on fire. You'll feel your glutes, especially if you kind of sink your hips back a little bit. Um, will your quads get? Will, will your thighs get stronger? Yes. Will they get stronger at spinning? Yes. If I run, will my legs get stronger at running? Yes. But is it working my legs the way doing important functional exercises like squats and lunges and bridges? Is it working them in that exact same way? No, it's not. And here's the reason why. It's a word that I've brought up before. It's called hypertrophy. What? I know, I know. Hypertrophy. So hyper... Like a hypertrophy? Yeah, exactly. That's that's literally exactly (laughs) how it's spelled. Right. Literally. So hypertrophy is when we strength train and when we fully, fully break down a muscle so that it repairs and rebuilds upon rest, and that's how it gets bigger and stronger. When we do cardio, we're actually not hitting hypertrophy. When we do this repetitive motion over and over again, example, spinning for 45 minutes or example, running for 30, and once again, these are just arbitrary minutes that I'm just throwing out. We, yes, are activating the legs. We are recruiting the legs. Um, we are recruiting the leg muscles, but we are not working them in the same manner that strength training will work them. So I do think that it is important to know that the cardio we do on our legs is by no means a substitute for quote unquote leg day or quote unquote doing the squats and the lunges and the very, very, very important lower body exercises that will then keep your legs strong so that you can continue to do these cardiovascular movements from a repetitive standpoint, like the spinning and the cycling and the elliptical machine and the walking. And um, have you do that without injury and have you do that so that you're recruiting the correct muscle fibers when you do these repetitive cardiovascular movements? So it sounds like if I'm thinking about my workout week and I'm trying to figure out like when, if I like using the bike, which Carmen says she really loves it, which is great. Like, let's start there. If you Mm -hmm. found a kind of exercise you love, awesome. Like, amazing. Yeah. Um, so in figuring out like where I want to slot my spinning days into my workout week, um, just using my like workout schedule as an example, I have been doing two what I consider strength days, which are sometimes like a mixture of strength and hit, but are usually like involve strength exercises, mm-hmm. strength training. Um, one cardio day where I either run or go to spin class and one yoga day, mm-hmm. but that other yoga day could easily be a cardio day instead. Or if you're working out five days a week, you could uh, add another cardio one in there. This is not like the one perfect workout schedule. It just happens to be what I do. So if I were looking at this question and thinking about how frequently I should be using the bike, I would say, like, of my four workouts, up to two of them I could do on the bike. Mm -hmm. But it might also be a good idea to do one on the bike and one doing a different version of cardio, Mm -hmm. just because, like you said, you want to switch things up. You're using different muscle groups. Yeah. Another thing, too, if... um when we do the same thing over and over and over and over again, if I were to run every single day of the week, if I were to spin every single day of the week, you actually run a pretty major risk, and this is pretty much 100% going to happen. You're going to hurt yourself, first of all. And you're also recruiting and activating the same muscle groups and the same joints over and over and over and over and over again. So you can only do that for so long before something happens. Either a muscle will pull because it's too fatigued um and so maybe you've taken like five i don't know spin classes in a row or if you've ran every single day for seven days uh, the muscles are too tired by that point and also the joints the joints are totally are exhausted by that point your tendons your ligaments are tired by that point so i do think that it's uh it's amazing a to have found something that feels amazing for you And then to also continue to find other things that feel amazing from a movement perspective so 
one is not doing the exact same repetitive range of motion every single day. So, yeah. like, once or twice a week, we're okay? Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah. probably more than that, we should look I would, to diversify? Yeah, I, would say, I would say look to diversifying, and I would say that as long as there are one to two days in between um, the same type of workout, it's. I, I think that ultimately that's, like, the safest bet. Cool. So, yeah, give ourselves days, either rest days or days doing something else in between mm-hmm. so we're not just, like, doubling down on those exact same muscles and Exactly, joints. exactly. And then if, say, something happens where you do something back-to-back, which has absolutely happened to me in the past. Like if you're um, upon training for different races, it's like one day will be maybe an interval run. And then the next day is a recovery run. Okay, yeah, well, that's running two back-to-back days. But then that next day after that, I probably just take off mm-hmm. completely, to be honest. Um, or maybe do some light strength training, but probably more core-based and upper body. But anyway, so this is getting more into like a, a workout schedule. But I do think that... If two consecutive days happen of any type of workout, especially repetitive cardio like spinning or um, running, to definitely on that third day, give yourself actually th- days three and day four, so give yourself maybe one to even two days off to let yourself fully repair and rebuild and recover. Cool. Because the body makes fitness gains. I was just going to say. <laughs> the body makes fitness gains during recovery. Yay. Cool. Uh, Carmen, thanks so much for your question. Um, I've taught I'm, you well, Joanna. <laughs> uh, psyched that you're into your bike. Um, have fun biking. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got another listener question that, like, maybe there's just something in the ether, but I feel like there are some connections between Definitely. these questions. So this question is from a listener named Holly. Um, And Holly says, I love the podcast and have an exercise-related question for you. I'm pretty good about working out on a regular basis, about five to six times a week, but for the past few months, I can only motivate myself to do yoga. I do it in my apartment mostly using YouTube videos and try to do longer practices, but when I have less time, I may just do 20 minutes. But I always feel better after, which is why I aim to do it every day. I'm wondering how important it is to vary the types of workouts that you do, particularly when you're interested in losing weight. If I can't motivate myself to do other types of workouts, is it okay to just do yoga? If I should incorporate other types of workouts, how often do you recommend? And how do you motivate yourself to do it? There's so many parts to this question. Totally. Yeah, it's a great question. And I feel like this is a very universal thing right now. Totally. So let's break it down into parts. Yeah. So the first part is... How important is it to vary the types of workouts you do, particularly when you're interested in losing weight? Mm-hmm. The first aspect, being interested in losing weight. Yeah. Okay. This is loaded. <laughs> this, is, this is loaded for, for various reasons. Um, what I invite Holly to, um, to explore is, is where is that desire coming from? in the first place. Uh, is it societal? Is it for health reasons? Is it, um, like, like what's the reasoning behind it? And this is something I ask everyone now. Like, this is very, um, this is a big societal thing going on. This need for us to always be losing weight. Um, many women, and men, many women, this is not just women, because, you know, I work with a lot of males, and I know that this is pretty much, it's just less talked about, um, sadly. Um, but we feel like we should always be striving for weight loss and we disguise it in the form of health mm-hmm. and, and there's there are also a lot of people out there telling us you need to lose weight for your health yes um yeah that's a huge uh, message we receive from mm-hmm. and society. then we feel like if we love our bodies right now and if we accept our bodies right now and if we just become kind of like in love with how we look right now we're gonna get lazy and we're not going to try and mm-hmm. our self-care is going to go to Daphne, that is the first time you have ever cursed on the show. (laughs) I'm leaving it in just so that I can bleep it and make fun of you. Oh, it's so funny. And we're so adamant about not swearing, and I don't really swear in day-to-day life, but you feel strongly about this. I'm very impassioned about (laughs) Holly's question, and uh, this is a big, big conversation, and clearly it's eliciting a reaction (laughs) within me. Did you see me catch my, or the look of horror on yes. my face? Yes, you guys, li- dear listener, her eyes got so they big. They bulged out of my face. <laughs> my eyes just literally, whoops. <laughs> Bleep. But the point is. <laughs> so the point is, um, <laughs> so the point is, 
<laughs> what were we just saying? <laughs> well, saying that like we have this fear that if we are okay with oh, ourselves, oh yeah, then... that our self care is going to to go away. Right. It's almost like we we feel like if we are not actively trying to lose weight, we may go the polar opposite way, and our pendulum might swing the completely opposite way. And if we don't try to control our weight, and if we're not actively trying to lose weight, we are actively gaining weight, which is false. The human body doesn't work that way. Um, so, like, if we are not actively trying to reduce our body fat or to get the scale to go down or to drop a size or to lose five pounds, if we're not going that direction, we have the sphere the pendulum will swing the polar opposite way and we are going to lose control and everything that we ever feared um, would happen, it will happen, and we'll turn into, like, Violet Beauregard in um, <laughs> uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and we're going to turn blueberry? into a giant blueberry, and we're going to gain so much weight that we uh, can't walk anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's, we, and I think a lot of people have this fear. Totally. And I think, uh, I think a lot of you people right now who are listening might be like, oh my god, but that's not what's going to happen if I stop trying to lose weight. No, it's not going to happen. It's not good. The human body just won't do that. It won't. Like, I'm going to take that pressure and take that stress off of all of you guys right now. So the first part of this question, um, Holly, I, I challenge you to get curious about exploring where the desire of losing weight is coming from. Is it societal? Is it for health? Is it for supposed health? Is it... Um, like, like, where is that need coming from? And for and then, anyone who wants to explore this more, we did an episode based on another listener question. Uh, the episode is called, Is It Okay to Want to Lose Weight? Totally listen to that episode. It's one of our all-time most popular episodes. Yeah. Um, and we talk about a lot of these issues more in depth. Yeah. That's a... In fact, I would say, everyone, pause. <laughs> listen, or listen to that episode after this one. I'll link to it in the show sure. notes. So yeah. You'll be able to click right mm-hmm. to it if you want. So just explore what we put on this notion of weight loss and why we as a society think it's normal. We've normalized just trying to lose weight all the time to mm-hmm. the point where a lot of people don't even know what life is like to not be in pursuit of weight totally. loss. Yeah. So I invite Holly to um, explore that first and foremost. Um, also start to focus on self-love and accepting your body, but not just, well, accepting your body first and then ultimately becoming obsessed with your body, how it is right now in this present moment. Well, and that's so interesting because um, in this question, um, she talks about motivation and what she feels sort of called to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it is not an accident that yoga is what is popping up because yoga, um, in my experience, is about being present with your mm-hmm. body as it is, um, really like moving through moments um with your breath Mm -hmm. um and yes it like uses the strength and flexibility of your body but so much of it is about that mental challenge of being in the moment um and like finding contentment where you are yeah um i think it is not an accident that you are feeling called to that yeah Um, definitely and so uh those those things are probably connected Mm-hmm. The fact that, like, um, I guess I, I really identify with this feeling of, like, I've found this thing I like to do that makes me feel really good. And I also think that, like, uh, like there's some part of me that feels like if I like it and it feels good, it's not enough. Yeah. That's so huge. It's almost as if, oh, I'm enjoying this, therefore it's It can't not be exercise. Yeah, exercise has to kind of punish or push me in some way, shape. Or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I deserve to be punished. Right. Because right. of my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to put words in this listener's mouth, but just Yeah, like, yeah. This is just us, like, yeah. raising mm-hmm. issues and, and talking about our own personal experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Holly says, I, but I always feel better after doing yoga, which is why I aim to do it every day. That's amazing. Yeah. I think it's also important to do the movements that make us feel really good on a mental and emotional totally. level. Totally. And I'm, I'm a, a teacher in addition to doing these things. And one of the things I teach is um, improvisation. And um, there's a woman named Viola Spolin who was like the mother of American improvisation for theater. And um, she has this exercise that's just called moving for pleasure. Mm. And the exercise is just about like move your body in a way that feels good. Yeah. That's the extent of the exercise. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is crazy how separate we get from that yeah 
um, that, like, a lot of the time we, like, don't even necessarily know what makes our bodies feel good to move yeah. them. Like, yeah, because we're we've been disconnected doing what we've from thought. that. Yeah, because we're doing what we thought we've had to do for so many years because um, either someone, friend groups, magazines, the internet, uh, infomercials told us that this is what we have to do because this is what everyone in society is doing mm-hmm. and, and um, uh, this is what we have, have, have the keyword have to do as well. So when it comes to... And when we also have this notion that we have to exercise in order, like exercise and weight loss are co- totally correlated. Right. They're there not. There are so many reasons yeah. to do exercise that have nothing to do with weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them for me is like, it's a big part of my mental health. Yeah. Um, that uh, I feel more relaxed. Um, I feel more focused. Um, I feel happier when yeah. I exercise. Um, and we've talked in previous episodes, check out our mental health episode. Yeah. Um, but we've talked about how, like, for me, part of that is, like, cardio uh, really helps with my, what does it do for me in my brain? Your, um, oh, your serotonin. Helps with my serotonin. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, totally. And when I do yoga, I, uh, it helps with, um, like, calming my anxiety and making yeah. me feel more present in general. Mm-hmm. Those are great reasons to exercise. Another thing, too, you know, and you and I have also talked about this on a separate episode. You and I both made a comment. I don't remember which episode it was. Um, you and I both were talking about how you and I have been exercising a very long time. Yeah. Like, has my weight pretty much stayed the same the last, like, ten years? Yes, yeah. it has. And I think what I want to... Uh, what I want to offer everyone to explore is disassociating movement and exercise from being something to just use as a tool to lose weight Mm -hmm. because you can, because for the most part it doesn't actually like, 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 yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, and then maybe some listeners right now are like, well, maybe Daphne's eating too much, right? Like maybe, (laughs) yes, I'm sure all of our listeners are like, Daphne eats too much. (laughs) And it's like, oh, well, Joanna, if you and I wanted to restrict, cut out food groups, if you and I wanted to put that stress on us mentally and emotionally, like maybe, yeah, like maybe stuff would change but that is a really dangerous territory to be in and that's actually something that I work with a lot of people on getting away from that like moving away from that so and even though like the workouts I love it's like I always talk about high intensity interval training like it's like rubbing up your metabolism because well a it actually does but to do it because it makes you feel strong and empowered and sweaty and awesome and ultimately like that's why I created it right so the thing with um using exercise I also offer this as a tidbit of um, you know just food for thought literally food for thought for everyone out there like what what if you just disassociated the notion that the physical activity you do is for the sake of weight loss and what if you just do it because it feels really awesome for you and your soul and your mind and your muscles and when I figured that out, it changed my entire relationship with exercise. And I'm very open about the fact that I used to have essentially compulsive exercising disorder for many, many, many years where it was, I literally associated it in my brain. One step equals like, or like five, you know, steps on a treadmill equals one bite of food. Like, it's like you, you create yeah. this crazy math in your head um, and running for like three hours at a time. And um, yeah, whoever said women couldn't do math have no idea what. <laughs> kinds of crazy math we are doing yeah uh, especially as uh young people (laughs) so Um, i love how holly you probably just want us to say like okay here's another type of workout you should add in and this will solve all of your problems and (laughs) yep should we say hashtag sorry not sorry (laughs) we are totally totally getting into a huge um psychological breakdown of um how a lot of men and women view movement and weight loss so that's that's a few parts of the question yeah Um, well so one thing that um to to try to make sure that we address all the parts individually um in terms of is it important to vary the types of workout that you do let's take that question separately from the weight loss question um we sort of talked about that in the previous question Mm -hmm. which is that like if you do the same thing all the time you're more prone to injury yes definitely Um, that being said 
And then I know, because then I also said the other thing of do what you love. Uh Uh-huh. And if you only love one thing, and I just said, like, vary your workouts, but what if you only love one type of workout, right? Right. I, I totally get it. I know. There's, like, a bit of, like mental emotional health battling like exercise science right now yeah (laughs) so that being said so then if this is the case from a muscular standpoint because it is good to vary the types of workouts it Mm -hmm. is really good to move your body in different ways and Joanna very similar to you I also do a mix of like I love running and I love strength training and I love doing yoga um and I love just, um, I don't know, what's, no, nope, that's pretty much all I'm doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, am I like dancing around my apartment? Not currently, but like if I wanted to, I could, mm-hmm. um, you know, putting on music and dancing. And so when it comes to this second half of the question, um, I'm wondering how important it is to vary the type of workouts that you do. Yes, it is important. But if at any point in time anything feels forced, like you feel like, ugh, I have to strength train because Daphne and Joanna said I have to, like, ugh, because I feel like I must, don't do it. Until you feel like it's, it feels like it's an organic thing for you to do or you're kind of like ready to do something different, you know, don't, don't push it. Like, if, if you are giving yourself some rest days in between, and if your body is just wanting to do yoga right now, that's that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Are you going to... But, but then also from like a physiological standpoint, are you going to, you know, build up cardiovascular endurance? Well, if that's, a, if something, that's, that, that's you, if that's something you want, you might actually have to do a little cardio. Mm-hmm. But then explore why it is you want that. You know? yeah. Once again, is it for health or is it for weight loss? I think one thing that might be helpful, because also um, she talks about, like, how do you motivate yourself to do other types Something, of workouts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times people have a hard time motivating themselves to exercise because their idea of what exercise has to be is really narrow. And they mm-hmm. either feel uncomfortable in those places, like say I feel uncomfortable going to gyms yeah or they uh don't feel like those things feel good on their body like uh like oh I could like go take a class at my gym but I always leave feeling worse than I started Mm -hmm. like if that's your experience I can totally understand not wanting not feeling motivated to do those things because they don't make you feel good but if what exercise or movement can be includes going for a walk yeah or dancing around your apartment or um you know, a wider range of things, um, then, you know, going to the rock climbing gym, Mm -hmm. um, doing things that involve moving your body that aren't sort of in the narrow category of like, this is a workout class. Um, and I know I've even said too in the past, I mean, how many times I've, and I've said this, like, I guess guilty, you know, I've said on the podcast too, like everyone, you gotta do your planks. Like you have Mm -hmm. to do planks. Like, if you want to save your lower back, you have to do planks. Like, if you want to save your lower back, you got to do some bridges. Like, if you want to, you know, not have pain in your lower back and hips and whatever, if you're... Or, or I always talk about, like, you got to do your back exercises mm-hmm. because of, you know, we're at computers all the time and we are always on our phones all the time. But then notice how I've said those because of like enhancement of quality of life and not for the sake of weight loss. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm not guilty. (laughs) You know, so, Mm -hmm. so, but then, you know, if if you guys are at home and you're like, ugh, I have to do planks and rows and bridges because Daphne says I have to, but I don't want to. Okay. Well, explore that. Yeah. (laughs) Like why is, what, what's the resistance to an authority figure? No, just kidding. (laughs) Well, maybe. Yeah. Kind of like, where's the resistance coming from? But then also, um, but then notice how it was never for the sake of just getting as skinny as we could possibly get. Yeah. It's for the sake of enhancing our quality of life from a pain perspective. So, you know, once again, when it comes to varying the workouts on a level of exercise science, yes, it is important to vary workouts so we don't continue to break down or overstretch or recruit the same muscle groups over and over and over again. Because once again, general adaptation syndrome, we have to apply a little bit of stress on the body and we need to recover from that stress to get stronger. Another thing too, 
general adaptation syndrome. Our body gets used to it when we do the same thing over and over again. I've used this analogy of like that 20 minute run. If you run three times a week for 20 minutes at a time, either on the treadmill or outdoors, it's awesome if you feel good every single time, but are you, say you've done that for years, but are you actually making any type of like fitness gains? Not necessarily. But if that makes you happy, and if that's all you need, like right now, that's okay too. Yeah. Right? Like, but are you actually going to get fitter from an exercise science, physiological standpoint? Not necessarily. So it's the same thing with the yoga. If you're doing yoga five days a week, you're getting really good at doing yoga. Um, You're doing something for yourself mentally and physically and emotionally. I would never say to not do that. With the yoga, unless you get too sore, I think you could probably do that every single day. Mm-hmm. But I think what I want to offer to Holly is explore if there are other different types of workouts or no workout movement. Explore if there are other types of movement that might feel still really good in your body that might kind of push a plateau past your um, push you past your fitness plateau. Um, Explore and see what that is. Whether it's doing some strength training movement, maybe movements, maybe at home strength, maybe um, it's going outside for a walk, maybe it's like jogging a little bit, maybe it's biking at your gym. I'm not sure what that is for Holly or what that is for everyone out there. So I offer for you to explore what that movement could be. Maybe you rework your relationship with that new type of movement to be a way to potentially push you from an emotional level too, like past the plateau, but try to release the notion of just using it for weight loss. So that's what I yeah. offer for you guys. I would also say like, um, maybe think a little bit about why you aren't resistant to yoga. Um, okay. Yeah. Is that's it a good one. like, instead of just thinking about like, Oh, why can't I get myself to do these other things? Think about like, why do I like yoga? I like it because I can do it in my apartment cool Mm, um mm -hmm, there are actually especially like if you're already using youtube to get yoga there's a lot of working out you can do from your apartment um with no equipment yeah Um, we always talk about fitness blender has a great youtube channel with tons of free workouts and they have all sorts of types of workouts they have strength training they have hit they have cardio um so if what you like about it mostly is like you can do it from your apartment with no equipment and spending no money um, you could totally vary your workout and still do that. Yeah. Um, if what you like about yoga is that it is gentle, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that you don't like that sort of like boot camp style mm-hmm. thing. I totally get that too. Um, going for a walk is yeah. also gentle and like calming and present. Um, so maybe that's something that you could fit in there. Um, yeah, so this is a very different answer than I think what maybe a lot of people thought we were going to say. I think a lot of people just thought we were going to say, oh, just do some Tabatas, like, right? And it's so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's really so much deeper than just adding two days of strength training in. Because I could say yeah. that. I could totally right. say that. Um, is it helpful? But is that helpful? <laughs> you know? Like, and, is that yeah. is that the answer to everything? And, and it's not. what I really heard... When I, this question actually really touched me when I read it mm-hmm. because what I heard when I read it to myself was, am I okay? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, yeah, for sure. You totally are. Like, you are enough. You, whatever is happening for you is what's happening for you, and you are okay. Yeah. Um, so that's, like, the overarching thing I want to say yeah. uh, is, like, of course, of course you're enough. Of course you're okay. If nothing, then this ever happens even if you stop doing this you will be okay exactly and then there's another societal issue too in which people are able to sell things when they convince us that we are not doing enough or that we are not enough Mm -hmm. we're not beautiful enough we're not thin enough and um we have this notion now in our culture that like oh gosh america is suffering this like crazy awful epidemic where everyone is so unhealthy and we've been brainwashed to think like oh we are yeah so we have to work so hard to like combat that yeah and uh, like holly you're already doing yoga five to six days a week yeah like that's that's like you're 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 not in any category of like health epidemic 
Yeah. You know, and I think it's okay to want to push ourselves. I think it's okay to want to grow on a personal standpoint, emotional standpoint. I think exercise and movement can be a very valuable tool in terms of empowerment, but it did take me a long time to get to that point as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it took me quite a few years, and I wouldn't say it was not until like my kind of like mid to late 20s that I really kind of healed or, or got that. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a really weird place to be because it's almost like how you've existed your entire life. You've, you've, it's false. And, um, but then when you do make it to the other side, there's a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of freedom, but it starts with accepting your body, knowing you are enough and then loving your body. Um, and then picking and choosing movement and exercise that is not directly correlated to the sake of getting skinny or Mm -hmm. losing weight and doing movement that you ultimately love and then eventually finding variety a variety of movements and workouts or exercise that you love Mm -hmm. um and then some people out there might be like well i don't love any of it (laughs) well i invite you to get curious to see if there is something that you love Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, thank you so much for this question, Holly. It was a really great question. I hope our pontificating has been helpful in some way. Um, and uh, I could have done an entire episode on that. I one. know, yeah. totally. Yeah. So obviously, like, you're not alone. Yeah. And isn't that a cool thing about listener questions? Is it, is, it helps yeah. you realize that you're not the only person going through this thing, just like in school. Yep. True. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have a listener question, email us info at justonemorepodcast.com. Tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us, send us a carrier pigeon. We would love <laughs> to answer your question on the show. It's like Harry Potter. Oh no, it's owls. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Wrong bird. This is a feature we call What Your Trainer Eats, where we talk to Daphne, a personal trainer, about what she eats. Um, and when I asked Daphne what she wanted to talk about this week, what she's been eating, she immediately said, scones. <laughs> <laughs> so Daphne, yeah. why are you eating so many scones? <laughs> well, I was in England for about a week and my husband, his family lives in England and my husband is from England. So we spent a week in England because one of his best friends was getting married and I haven't seen his family since last summer. And you know what I was really excited about? And you know what England does really well? is scones. Scones with the clotted cream, which is essentially like whipped cream that's kind of like hardened a little bit so that it um, spreads like, Mm -hmm. it spreads better than butter. Um, I'm like salivating right now. (laughs) And then, you know, uh, jam. Like English people love jam. They love their, their preserved fruit. Um, so that is one thing that they do really well. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like I haven't had, I was like, I think the last scone I had, not for any particular reason, but well now I'm like, maybe that's my next business venture. Maybe I want to open up like a scone shop in (laughs) New York. Adorable. Um, as in New York, I feel like we have awesome donuts. We have croissants. We have cronuts. We have chocolate chip cookies here. You know, I'm thinking about all like my favorite places to go for my like treat foods. I was like, wait, where are the scones? Like, where are the scones besides, like, the coffee shop ones? that Like, we need a sconery. So I was really excited going into England about all the scones. The scones in England are about the size of my face. <laughs> and they're big, and they are of that real scone texture where they're still moist but crumbly. Yeah. And you're supposed to slice them in half. And there are plain scones, and there are fruit scones, and there are berry scones, and there are scones that have cherries in them. Um... And I was very excited about going specifically to this one tea emporium in England that I go to every time with them to get some scones. So we, of course, went to this tea emporium and we did the whole scone situation and it was amazing and I was just so happy. And then I decided that I would like to have a scone every day while I was in England. <laughs> so whether it was, so then Stuart's mom went out and she got scones from like the, the bakery section of like their amazing grocery store that they, you know, shop at. And 
And then there were multiple times that we went out for tea um, or coffee. There's there's coffee in England. It exists. And whenever a scone was in the pastry window, I would get it. So I had a scone every single day for seven days straight. Every single scone had clotted cream and jam on it. And um, so for this tag feature, what your trainer eats, it can be scones and clotted cream and jam. And I enjoyed every bite and every minute. And now I really want to find a place in New York that sells amazing scones. And that is what your trainer eats. I love this one. Not just because it's like not a food that we think of as like a health food, but Mm -hmm. because it makes me think of like what is so great about travel, especially if you're into food, which I know we both are, is getting to eat the foods that are especially good in the places where they are. And um, that's part of being able to be like present I feel like we've said the word present like 50 times in this episode, (laughs) but that is part of being able to be present in the place that you are, um, is feeling free to eat the food. Um, when we had Holly Toronto on our show, go back and check out her episode about loving your body. Um, but she said like, um, expanding your menu of foods that are available to you because so much of diet culture is about restrict, 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 take things off the table for you. Um, But I think it's so great to put things back on your menu, put things back on the table for you. Um, And uh, to be able to go to England and say, like, scones are really good here. I'm going to have a scone every day. And guess what? Like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Is so great. Uh, When I was in France with my family um, several years ago, I had uh, sorbet framboise, raspberry (laughs) sorbet, every single day. Because it was really good. And you can get it, like, on every street corner. And so I did. Um, That sounds really good. We ate a lot of gelato when we were in Italy also. (laughs) Because it's really good there. Um, So I encourage you to, like, be like Daphne and follow your bliss. Yeah, follow your bliss. Eat the foods that make you feel amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and then I just had a thought. I, my family and I were planning a trip to Asia in, um, I think, like, next fall, so a while. Oh, it's so weird. I haven't yeah. gotten my invitation. I know, right? I'm, but I'm so... I know, you should come with us. You're practically Asian. I was so, But we are writing so excited to eat all the scallion pancakes, all the dumplings, all the pork buns, all the bows, and I think that is one of the beauty... The One of the beauties of traveling yeah. is exploring a culture through food. And guess what? I'm going to blow all your minds... You can eat what you want even when you're not traveling. Boom! <laughs> drop the mic. You get to. It's your well, life. We can't drop these want. microphones. These no. Are, no, these are very we expensive. <laughs> we need these microphones. Uh, thanks, Daphne. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes, for help subscribing, and to join us on Patreon, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.